You ready? Who's starting? Are you starting? I'll start if you don't want to start. Yeah, why don't you start? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Relative Run Readiness. This is the podcast that I host, and Matt is my assistant. (laughs) Hey, guys. Thank you for checking out our program. This is more about if you're interested in our training and what really it's about. What is behind the program? How did we design it? So why would we do this program and how did we design the program? How will it serve you better? That's what we want to talk about today. And this is all in just brief bullet points. We do have much more explanation per phase that you can check out once you join. Yeah, that's true. Um, So the program itself, Relative Run Readiness, um, we have uh, it broken down into several different categories. Uh, Right now we have macro progression one that we're going to talk about. And that is a approximately a nine month plan. Um, you know, some people who are really advanced might get through it in six months. Some people might get through it in 12 months. Some people might choose to stick with it maybe for, you know, the entirety of their, uh, lifespan as a, as an endurance athlete. It yeah, just that's depends right. on them. That's right, Chad. Cause we wanted to design a program, a, that could be affordable. And we really feel like this program has a lot of value for what it costs. But also, we wanted to have a program where really you can go through this program multiple times and really probably shouldn't get bored doing it because there there is a lot of variety in the program. But it is important to point out that when you're talking about advanced or elite, this does not necessarily talk about if you're an advanced or elite runner. So when it comes to coordination, uh, what is your gym age? Do you have much time doing these type of movements? And also, have you really gone through progressions in this format before? Now, of course, this program is unique and we have designed it over the last 20 years, like we say, by runners, for runners. But I've also worked with several different physiotherapists and sports docs and of course, elite coaches, great coaches like Bobby McGee. So the reason why I say this, guys, is because when we go through breathing, for example, in the beginning of our programming, a lot of people have not really focused on breathing patterns before. So a lot of times what we'll hear is that I've done bridge work before and I thought it was going to be easy. But breathing in the patterns that you're instructing us to breathe into with a lot more control and a lot more of that internal rotation in our ribs when we're breathing out, that's not something I'm used to. And I wasn't as in control at first. In fact, it was kind of uncomfortable. It was kind of hard to do. That made that basic bridge now much harder. But of course, as we go through the progression, we start to do asymmetrical patterns, which we want to incorporate. Now I have a lot more control in order to do this movement. I had to learn the breathing first and I had to be able to really work on the proper structures that enable me to move forward in this program. So that's just an example about how these progressions are set up that might be different even if you've done the same movements before. progressions are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, speaking of how long 
uh, we've developed this this program and who we've developed it with. Um, let's talk about who it's for and why it's for them. Why do endurance athletes need to do strength training, specifically our strength training? Yeah, so this program is for you. If you're listening and you put one foot in front of the other, this program is <laughs> for you. So don't be intimidated. It's not so complex that you can't follow it, especially if you start from the very beginning. Yeah. So this is something that we purposely put into the program. Progressions are built into the program for each type of runner that is starting this program. And you will find the right progression for you within these exercises. So that being said, we want to look at capacity. I mean, a lot of this stuff comes down to capacity. If we've increased our capacities, then it's really very likely that we're going to be able to keep continuing to go through our progressions and through our running and our racing, if that's what we're doing, without having all the setbacks, the plateaus, the potential injuries. So although nothing will completely prevent injuries from happening, we do know that if we've increased our capacities, then we are with a much better platform or base, if you will, then we are in a better position overall and a lot less likely to have these kind of setbacks. So we want to look at specific strengthening and that is more along the mechanical side of things. When we are lifting weights that will support our cyclic side of things, which is of course our running in this case. All right. So really more running doesn't necessarily give us the result we want. And I want to go on record as to saying that more volume can be just exactly what you need, but we can't fire a cannon out of a canoe. That's what we like to say. So if we have the base strength and we build up in these progressions and we're sort of micro dosing more and more stress, but just at the rate where our bodies can actually adapt to that stress, recover, respond, repair, and get stronger, then we can handle the additional loading, the additional running that we're doing. So this is an important concept to understand. And our program is built for runners. In other words, we understand that you are running at the same time when you go through this program. So let's start off for example, with the you know when 10, that is the first thing we do in our first phase. Now, this is optional to do for the test itself, but there are 10 different tests that we like to give, and we do encourage everybody to really take a cl close look at that because we think that you can really personalize your protocol, your programming by taking these tests and really finding out where you are less optimal, where you might even be non-optimal, and how we can get more optimal. But if you don't want to go through the entire tests, or if it intimidates you a little bit, which we understand it can be a lot at the beginning, then you can just follow each progression pattern that we set up and alternate the dates. So for example, one day you're doing something for the shoulder complex, another day you're doing movements for your hip complex, another day for your ankle complex, and another day for what we call the total body complex. So that's, a, that's how you can introduce this protocol without even doing the test if 
if the test seems a bit much for you, or if you're not sure about it, you can at least start off that way. And I guarantee you, you're going to start to feel better, to move better. So we suggest that you do something like this for at least 10 days. But I like to go more oftentimes towards three weeks, especially if you haven't done things like this before. But again, if you do take the test and you are optimal in all your areas, and sometimes that can happen, you're certainly ready to start with your first part of this strength loading phase and the access movements, okay? But we, we take into consideration, again, that you are running while you are starting these programs. So I suggest that you start off with personal protocol from the Uno Win 10 and adjusting to that first and then getting into the access movements so that you're adjusting in one new stress at a time to your body and you can accumulate that stress properly. So, And you're really building up too. I, I know uh, you spent a lot of time, Matt, looking at all of these individual movements through each of the phases and how they build on each other. And so I do think it is really important, you know, if you're not going to do the, you know, intense self-assessment, fine, just start with the protocol, get all those movements in. And now, you know, you've got a solid base to move forward in that first phase, which is assess and access. Then you go into the access part of it. And that is, uh, that is going to create a different stress on your body. And if you haven't done that protocol first, it's just not, you're just, not going to build as optimally as possible. So yeah, Chad, this is where we start talking about, you said optimal, which is to me, a better way to think of things rather than maximal, right? So if we have maximal range of motion and we are a ballet dancer, that might be necessary for that ballet dancer. But in, in running that maximum range of motion, it might not only not be necessary, but it also can it can reduce some of the benefits of our power. So we look at more optimal range for you, for your biomechanics. So for example, with your pivot point in your hip, when you're running, when you're in that stance phase through your gait, you're getting more optimal results from your power, from that, that position, rather than say, I'm getting absolute range through the hip. I'm getting optimal range through the hip. So those are the things we look at a little bit more. And I think that is important to point out because in the Uno 110, for example, guys, you need to know that I myself am never going to be completely optimal in all of the tests, but I have gotten better. I'm more optimal. So I've talked a lot about my tree trauma on the podcast, but with my history, with my mechanics, I will not have that same capacity as before I had that that major injury, but I have optimized my positioning for for my body, for what's happened to me in the past. And I think what's important too is that you carry that uh, personal protocol with you through your training. Doesn't matter what phase you're in, what progression you're in, that personal protocol stays with you. That's right. And we can check in and do this personal protocol every, let's say, well, we'll call it in the beginning, it's more often. So we'll call it in every six weeks or so, we might take the, you know, when 10 again and see if we've improved in these positions. And again, that's the key part of it. Have we improved? Not necessarily gone optimal. But what I want to say is that in the last two years, I have optimized my positions to the point where I've gotten 
some really good PRs. I've been able to train completely injury free. And I am very happy with being able to express my joy in my running and not have limitations I had before I really focused on these things. So doing these things, these movements for eight to 12 minutes a day has become a part of my life now. And it won't go away because it enables me to do the thing I love doing most, which is running more. Yep. So now uh, we've done that assessment stuff. We know our personal protocol. Maybe we've just gone, gone through all the protocol. Now we get into the access uh, part of this phase. What does that entail, Matt? Yeah, so that really focuses on what we call starting with our stack. And everybody has heard the term core being used. And this is, again, something that we want to make very relative to our running. And we really want to emphasize our core control and our movements with stability and mobility. So that allows us to improve our overall abilities, again, for our running. So starting with our stack means that we're essentially going to be in a lot of movements that really challenge our core, but we start very much from the ground up, right? So think about when you were a baby and you first pushed the ground away to look around. Right. Starting from the ground up is a great way to learn these movements and to be able to really master these movements before we add more complexity to them. And more gravity. And more <laughs> gravity. That's right. So a lot of isometrics where we're holding these movements for up to two minutes. And key part here is I want to uh, introduce to most people is that we want to focus again on that breathing for those two minutes and be able to really maintain our posture. But it's two minutes total is what we want. We don't want several sets of two minutes. We want two minutes total. We feel like once you can do that in each position we give you, you're certainly ready to start moving from the ground up. And that's, that's where we start. And then we move on and we progress from there. And the next phase after this assess and access is our basics phase, uh, B-A-S-E-I-C-S, little wordplay by Matthew there. Um, and, uh, you know, it is a really seamless progression to go from phase one to phase two. What's in this basic basics phase, Matt? Yeah, so we, we like to say that in this phase, you can't fire a cannon out of a canoe, right? So the base work that we need to work on are the basics. And so again, there's not too much complexity yet. We're able to now though start to move a little bit more from those initial patterns that we mastered in the first part of the phase. And then we can emphasize a little bit more of our core control. We can focus on reducing things like bilateral deficits. So in other words, if you have a right leg that is stronger than the left and that asymmetry really keeps us from being able to have that nice, smooth gliding gait that we want, we are addressing that more in this phase. So we get that one leg that's a little bit too strong compared to the other leg. We get that evened out a little bit more. And you'll never have perfect symmetry. I've never seen perfect symmetry, but we can, again, reduce the deficit. We can get it within, let's say, 10% so that we can really express the strength that we're attaining in our running properly. So that's what we focus a little bit more in that basic 
phase. And we're doing that with proprioceptive awareness, improving things like that with balance, but also with some accumulation. So in other words, doing enough repetitions where we can learn the movements and we can learn the patterns. So that's an important concept to understand that we, there's high repetitions are vilified in some ways where we say we're already doing a lot of endurance, so we don't need to do a lot of reps when we're in the gym. And I actually agree with that, but not until we have established the coordination for these movements. So think about it. If you only do something 10 times, you're probably not going to learn it as well as if you did it 12 to 20 times, right? So this is a more accumulation in this phase that we focus on. And then once we wrap up that basics phase, we move into the C's, the the last three phases of this program. Uh, And the first one is called control. What are we doing in this control phase? In control, ready to roll, Chad. Yeah, baby. Yeah, man. So this is an integration. And what we're going to do is we're going to progress your strength capacities that you've built to this point. But now it has more of an emphasis on intensification. So now we do less reps and we tend to stick with uh, six to 10 reps with more advanced programming and some athletes that have had a lot of time in training. We might go to say five to seven reps, but generally speaking, we're going to be somewhere between five and 10 reps with this type of intensification. So that means that we're going to go heavier now. So we've learned the coordination and control in the prior phase. Now we really want to load our capacities a little bit more still progressively, but we want to add stress. We want to get strong. And so we do really want to build on our maximal strength more. And so we're going to focus on that. And then, you know, really deceleration is the other big component in this system. So we've worked on things like our bilateral deficits in the prior phase, but now we have to work on putting the brakes on to be able to really control these positions better. Okay, so deceleration. So another part of that is eccentrics, right? So that's where, say, when we are doing a lunge, when we are going down, leveling down towards the ground, and we're level changing down towards the ground, we're doing that slower, okay? And then we can express our strength and go up faster, but we want to go down slower. But that also can include on the deceleration, we start to introduce movements where we have to put the brakes on faster. So we might be taking a few steps and then stopping. And we might be doing that with some resistance, like with a band. So just examples like that, because I have always said that if we want to get faster, we have to be able to put the brakes on faster. We have to be able to control that first. And I've literally had athletes that just went through deceleration and eccentric based work, especially when they're coming back from injuries. And we haven't even had time to move on into plyometrics yet. And they might have say a tryout or they might have a race that they are going to do that's in the calendar that really is important to them. And they're still going to do it. And we still have seen new PRs. We've seen improvements just by doing that deceleration work, even before we've gotten into the power. Sure. After that control phase, we go into the crazy stuff. It's chaos. It's chaos, baby. So, you know, I I call this springing into action in this phase. But in other words, now we are going to work on a lot more of our acceleration. All right. So that's we're focused more on 
that concentric action. The deceleration is still there in these components because when we are really accelerating as fast as we can, now we have the capacity from the prior phase to stop on a dime if we need to. So it's that deceleration is still addressed, but the emphasis is now on getting faster. So why is that important? If we have developed a lot of strength, and I made this mistake myself in the past, is I got really, really strong, especially for relative to my body weight, but I didn't work enough on speed, which meant that I'm not getting my foot off the ground as fast as I want to, right? So runners want to spend less than a third of a second on the ground, about a third of a second or less which means that we have to be fast in that transition when we have to be able to express our strength faster. So that's what this phase really focuses on a little bit more, expressing that strength faster, but it's also because we want to be able to, when we say chaos, we wanna be able to have more torque, for example. That's important. So creating more force is done with more torque. And that is through a full optimal range, as we said before in our joints, right? So that's a more optimal range through our joints. So in other words, we can start to teach our body to be able to respond a little bit better, which is where that chaos comes in. So we put you in movements that are a little more complex, a little more confusing for the body to learn and understand. But because again, you have developed the right base for it, because you've worked on your response mechanisms in the prior phases, now you can capitalize on that more and progress in this phase. So with, with all that being said, it's still not a circus act, Chad. All right. So I don't believe in doing movements that just combine as many different aspects of training as you can think of in one movement. You know, we don't have you standing with one foot on top of a BOSU ball while you're also trying to pull a band apart and dive into a deadlift and touch your nose with your eyes closed. You know, you're not doing all that stuff at the same time, but you are working on those components in the right capacities that'll give you the best bang for your buck. So we're working on more movements that are going to challenge you in various positions, which allows you to, again, start expressing your strength. So when we talk about torque, the body is set up spirally. And we want to be able to get that right shoulder working with the left hip more. We want to be able to get that left ankle to work with the right wrist more. Those are key components to really optimize our gait patterns more. It allows us to be able to do these things without necessarily even having to focus on doing those things while we're running. Now it's more automatic. And that's what's nice about it because a lot of us have been running for years and years and years. And so our patterns are pretty well set. So if I tell somebody who hasn't changed their capacities and hasn't developed their base strength and hasn't learned these responses through these training progressions, then they might end up, I might end up doing more harm than good. In other words, straighten up when you run. Well, 
a lot of people will end up popping the top of their canister. In other words, they're losing power in their core and they start throwing their heels out in front of them sitting in the saddle when they're running with their hips hinged because they're trying to do things they haven't developed the posture for, the capacity for that posture. And so either they can't do it or they actually even lose more power trying to do what they might have seen an elite runner doing or what they might be told is the right way to run. So, you know, we'll get into some options there as we get into our phase work. We want to start to allow ourselves to express this strength in our running gait, and it should be able to come a little bit more naturally to you as you improve this strength capacity. Sure, sure. Well, now we move into the final phase in this macro progression. We're talking about the championship phase. What do you do for the championship phase? Yeah, so I call this one fast and free as me. So this is all about getting faster for your your goals. Okay, so that could be get onto a podium. Uh, that could be for some athletes that we work with to win an Olympic gold medal. But for most of us, we just want to be able to get to that top of that mountain that we've always wanted to be able to get to, or we want to be able to get to the top of that mountain, but without getting injured or being able to actually enjoy ourselves on the journey all the way up to the top of that mountain without feeling like we're going to die. Right? So the, this is about many different goals that different people have. It doesn't have to be anybody else's goal, but your own, but are you now ready to optimize what you can do for that particular goal you have? You know, again, you know, might, maybe it is finishing your first marathon now and you want to be able to have the power economy to be able to do that. So we don't want to break muscle down anymore at this point to optimize all of our capacities that we've built up. We want to maintain that strength that we've gained. For example, we want to be able to optimize elasticity though, right? So that's where, again, we look at elasticity giving us about 50% of our power. In other words, our foot, our windless mechanism, and that's uh, another conversation to be had. But in this program, we had, we address the way that the foot mechanics work and how the foot gathers on the ground and how you actually get that elasticity from the ground up and through your Achilles, for example. So that's huge in giving us free energy. So that's why I say fast and free is me because that energy is free. And then the other half does come from that muscle skeletal strength capacity that you have gained. And now you can express them both together. So in this last phase, it's important to understand that we're actually doing less and less is more now. So we want to keep the majority of our energy for our main performances now. So we want to be able to do just enough where we're maintaining our strength, but we are gaining on our power. So these sets tend to be short when we might only be working for, say, 10 seconds or less, but we are expressing that power and we're taking plenty of rest time in between so that we're really focused on letting the nervous system recharge and then do its job to optimize our power again. And doing those things can allow us to feel really good, really powerful, really strong, 
but mostly we're filling our glass back up with all of our energy and our potential to use that power. And that is why the, in this phase, we really start to look a lot more about quality over quantity. That's something that we tend to do around our championship or around the main goal that we have. So this phase is the last in all of the phases for that reason, because if you are working from your base all the way through to this final championship phase, we want to be able to do that over a period of time, say six months to a year, depending on how long it takes you. But this phase really will serve you well once you have built these other capacities up. And it's a great way to finish your training for the season. Now, when you finish all of this up, and we hope that you're able to hit new PRs. And of course, we hope that whatever goals that you have for yourself, that we've served you well with this phase. Now, that's where you can take a little bit of a break. You can take a few weeks and just chill out, do the things that you haven't had time to do in the last six months, let's say. Maybe you're going to catch up on that book that you haven't read and and you're going to do a little bit more just cross training, like hiking instead of running, things like that. And then after a few weeks, you can actually start this phase work all over again, especially if you felt like you weren't doing the more progressed version of each movement. So I encourage people to actually keep going through this macro phase. You can go through it several times until you're actually able to do the most progressed movements. And then you can move on to the next main macro progression, which we will have up next year. Yeah. So that's just a little overview of our macro progression one uh, with all the phases in there. Uh, If you want to know more about any specific phase, we'll be coming out with more detailed podcasts about the phases themselves and the movements that are in them and the different blocks. Uh, So keep a lookout for those things. If you aren't a uh, client or a subscriber of our relative run readiness training program. We do hope that this podcast entices you to give us a try. Uh, We've got a little free trial membership for two weeks. You can check it out and uh, see if you like it. See if you think it's going to serve your goals. So guys, on on my end, I want to again express that there's no courage in defeated mechanics, which Bobby McGee, that's his quote. He's, in my opinion, the world's greatest running coach. And we have worked together for several years. So one in one, Bobby says, makes 11, not two. And I really do want to thank him for a lot of the things we've been able to put together in these programs. I would not have been able to do it without the great coaches and athletes around me that really contributed to this passion and this project over the years. So now you too can benefit from the same things that they did. So in summary, guys, I'd like to say that since relative strength serves our abilities to improve or generate force, we can then generate more force quickly by doing all of these steps, all of these progressions at a higher rate, which essentially means that when we can naturally have higher revolutions per minute, when we can have more steps in a minute naturally, not being told, hey, 
you should do 200 steps per minute. So just quickly move your feet, shuffle your feet along. It's not about that. If you go through all of the proper progressions and you go through all of the capacities to build this up, then naturally you're going to be able to improve your rating, right? So that happens because we have now more control and we're ready to roll these things we've talked about. And when you're able to do that, now there's less stress on your body. There is less power per step needed. So it's less stressful on all areas of your body. It's, it's probably going to be more productive without having as many injuries, things like that. But also because we are using less stress when we've gone through programs like this per step, that means at the end of your race, whether it is a mile or a marathon, you will have greater capacity to go faster. And that's what we want to be able to do. But we can't do these things just by trying to change what we're doing now. It's not really about changing these things. It's about replacing things with with capacities that we need and will serve us so that we get the result that we want. So when we talk about filling buckets, guys, the strength bucket with most endurance athletes is not filled as much as it should be. The aerobic bucket is, but the strength bucket tends to not be filled nearly as much. And that engine may be optimal, but without the chassis, the car keeps breaking down. And you can even think about things like your tires. If, you're, if your tires are flat, you probably don't have a strong enough core to be able to respond to the power. That is the equivalent of what a lot of us are doing when we're trying to run without establishing these capacities to serve our needs. Okay. So lots of good progressions in these programs and it's all there to serve you. And we really want to get your feedback too. So if you're doing these programs, let us know what we can continue to do better so you can understand the programs more, or even if we can change up parts of our programs to serve you more. That is what this program is about. It has really been designed for you. It's been a passion of ours and we are proud of it, but more importantly, we want it to help you. So thanks guys. We appreciate you and we know how important running is to you. That's why you're listening right now is just as important to us. So let's share our passions. Let's get out there. Let's enjoy our running and let's move forward together.